Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. Today I'm excited to welcome Jay DeCherry onto the podcast. Jay is the founder of MoboBoard, and today we're going to be talking all about MoboBoard, and we cover a lot in the way of foot and ankle exercises, balance exercises, and so much more. Believe it or not, you can't just throw towel curls and some balance training on a foam pad at everyone and expect them all to get better. Uh, there's a little bit more to it than that, and we dive into a lot of that in today's episode. Really great one today. I know you're going to enjoy it. Be sure to check out Jay and Mobo Board. You can find their information in the description below. Enjoy. Jay, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to work with you today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Appreciate it. So for people who aren't familiar with you, or maybe they haven't heard of the MOBO board before, would you mind kind of filling them in a little bit about who you are and uh, what the MOBO board is? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm a PT. been doing this for a long time. I'm pretty old. So <laughs> uh, I've been practicing, uh, practicing about five years in an outpatient sport and spine clinic, and then ended up running a gate biomechanics lab at University of Virginia. Um, did that for about 10 years. And then moved out uh, to Oregon and uh, ran another independent lab out here. And then um, currently teaching at uh, OSU and uh, running Mobo. And, um, you know, yeah, just we're all trying to help, right? So uh, I think it's, I, I love treating patients. And I love trying to contribute back to the body of science doing uh, research. I've done work from uh, anything from NIH to and DARPA funded research to uh, product innovation and validation uh, work for a bunch of companies. And um uh, yes, it's all fun. All you know, we're always learning, trying to grow our minds and grow our bodies, and uh, and do a better job for our, our patients. And so, um, I think that you know, one of the things I've done, I've tried to been lucky, uh, learning lots of different things, different angles, right? So, um, from a clinical side and also from the research side, and I've uh, been trying to put tools out there to help people. Uh, written two books: one's anatomy for runners, one is a runner rewired. And, you know, while tool, uh, in, information is great and, and plans are great, uh, sometimes you just need a tool to put things in place. And um, one of the things I, I kept seeing over and over again is uh, patients and, and athletes coming in with just really poor contact points. And when I say contact points, I'm talking about the strategy and the way we control our foot and ankle. And, um, you know, it's funny to me, we, we talk about like, you know, core training for runners and everybody gets that, right? We talk about core training and we talk about, you know, work on your rotator cuff. And it's like, yeah, of course you talk about, you know, work on your hips. You're like, of course. And we talk about feet and they're like, well, I just put my socks on, put up my shoe and call it good. And I'm like, that doesn't work. Right. So, um, I, I kept trying to find out a better way to, to build a, um, build an environment to train people in. Um, and, um, so that's kind of how Mobo, uh, was born was basically trying to get a better system to train foot and ankle control. Yeah, that's incredible. I love the sounds of that. And I really love your uh, past resume there, too. It seems like you do a lot. I'm surprised, though. The one thing you didn't mention in there, you mentioned research and PT work and biomechanics. You never mentioned sleep in there. How do you like <laughs> get by with all of that? My goodness. Um, yeah, no, there's not that much of that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but no, that's awesome. I love your background from a PT standpoint before entrepreneur standpoint. Um, and I love the looks of the MOBO board. It looks like it's a pretty versatile thing. And from what I've seen, it looks like you can kind of change the orientation of it where the like pivot point or contact point with the ground is on the board. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's pretty simple, right? When you, when you walk and run the, the, this 
fancy term we have called the center of pressure. It's really just like the path of how the force travels through your foot. It kind of comes out through the heel, right? And then across the ball of foot and out through the big toe. And that's what happens when you walk, when you run, whether you land as a rear foot, a midfoot, or a forefoot striker, it doesn't matter. Everybody has that same sort of path of, of force through your foot and ankle. And um, one of the things uh, we kept seeing is it uh, people, you know, when they stand out and, and wobble, I, I, I'll say this, if you want to, for fun, stand up on one leg, right? And just get a sense of where you are. And a lot of people, you'll notice that you feel a lot of force on the outside of your feet, right? People tend to be what I call reactive and they tend to just kind of roll outwards. Um, and that's not how we stand, walk and run, right? And so we talk about being proactive and being proactive really involves you being able to control that line of force around the foot. Um, and, and that really comes down to being able to screw the big toe down while and this is gets lost also screwing the hip out above right because feet don't work in isolation they work together right and so um you know let, let, let's compare and contrast this right so i mentioned before a lot of people will come in they're kind of rolling outside of the feet that's your strategy and then you go see a pt in the state of the art literally up until a few years ago in clinics right was like do your towel curls and your marble pickups and all that's doing is, you know, getting muscles we call the long flexors, right? Those those muscles' job is to curl your toes, um, and there's nothing wrong with those muscles, right? But um, I always tell people, don't train muscles; we train movements, right? And so, um, when you try to train a muscle to do a long flexor's job, what happens is you wind up picking that ball the foot up off the ground, and you're just feeding into that kind of more reactive roll outside lat control type type idea, right? So, what Mobo forces you to do, um, it, it's it's a uh, circular platform and it's got a hole for your little toes right and so um, if you're somebody who tries to use his long flexor muscles to kind of curl and kind of you know, do your towel curls and marble pickups um, you'll find that strategy doesn't work it forces you to sort of screw the ball the foot down on the ground um, and you can change the pivot point right um, so we have different slots number one through four and so um, if you put the fins in the even slot right um, you're training the motions of pronation and supination and for those of you out there who think i just described two different diagnoses they're not diagnosis they're just <laughs> movements right people has come in i have the pronation i'm like you're fine right that that's good <laughs> you know people come in and say i can flex my elbow and extend my elbow i'm like great job right but you know people come in i'm like let me look at the way you supinate and pronate your ankle and they and they do that very poorly right and that's so it's the 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 key here is that one's better than the other the key thing is you have to be able to actively right control pronation and actively control supination and so um the board's designed to sort of with the fins that even position you actually train the exact axis of pronation and supination um and so it's super helpful that way you can also take the fins and put them in the odd slots right and we have a lot of people with sprained ankles, a lot of people we call um, uh, chronic ankle instability, right? These are the people who, when they come in in our office and we talk to them and say, hey, have you sprained your ankle before? And I'm like, yeah, I've sprained my ankle, you know, six times a year, right? You're a, you're a chronic sprainer and it's 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 not the the ligament strength that's a problem. It's You have a strategy problem, right? And we've, we've done lots of research on this and looked at how people who sprain over and over again do a really poor job, even when their foot's not on the ground, right? When your foot's just swinging to the air, come back down again for your next step or next stride, you tend to have a shifted um, pattern in terms of how you control your foot and ankle. And so we need to do a better job by getting the muscles on the outside of the shin, um, called the peroneal muscles to drive that... Um, the 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 ball of foot down to the ground and so by putting fins in the odd slots right you can really help a lot of those chronic ankle stability people 
And then you can also put the fins in the outside slot so the board doesn't tilt. But again, if, if you've got ankle instability, you're somebody who tends to roll outward. Well, if I put you in that position on the outside, you have to sort of learn to drive your uh, ball your foot down. Um, and those people typically, their brain just like explodes doing these movements going, I've never felt this before. And I'm like, I know, because you've, you've tried to wind yourself out the whole time, right? Um and then you can put the fins in the forward slots if you want to work on um, calf strength, right? To so do some uh, calf raises and stuff. And you can do some things in the, uh, do the fins in the back slots if you don't work uh, your knee mechanics in terms of loading up um, the, the quads. So, yeah, I, I tried to design a tool that would sort of help people feel, right? Because I always tell people I want to shut my mouth and let you feel what to do. Um, I want to help you feel the idea that you've got to be able to sort of um, control what your forefoot's doing, right? And then everything upstream, right, is dependent on that. And you, know, you can talk about landing gear in a plane coming down, right? It needs to be there and be solid and controlled or else that plane's going to have problems when it comes into the earth. Uh, and same thing, every time you walk, run, cut, jump, if that foot and ankle comes down nice and solid and stable and we train you to have a closed chain position for that, I mean, foot on the ground um then everything else upstream can work better yeah you hit so many amazing points there as you were talking jay so first off the point of movement starts from the ground up and as you mentioned we have this real misguided understanding of how the foot and ankle complex works and how that impacts the rest of our lower extremity and ultimately our body um i remember a professor in college um who um he shared an article about how ankle dorsiflexion plays a role in shoulder impingement. And at first I was like, what the heck? Um, but the whole regional interdependence concept is really booming right now. Um, and I think the work of, you know, individuals like, um, I think it was Dos Remedos who um, kind of coined the term, the sling systems, like the anterior serape, posterior serape, and just explaining how everything is interconnected or Danny Folly's work on the fascia lines and how, the fascia interconnections from down at our foot and ankle can actually play a role in the rest of our body. Um, you know, I think that we often forget to train the feet, like you mentioned. And when we do train the feet, we don't always train it in the most appropriate ways. Um, it, it's always kind of funny to me to watch people do foot exercises that, you know, you, you get a great eval, a great assessment, and you pick up on the deficits. And then the interventions are like, as you mentioned, the towel curls, the towel slide, that sort of thing. It's like, you know, we, we picked up on the toe extension range of motion deficit, but for some reason, we never actually did toe extension exercises. It's, uh, totally. it's crazy how much gets lost in translation there. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to use the podcast today to throw stones at glass houses. You know, I know that there's PTs out there who mean well, but sometimes you get three, four patients an hour and it can be difficult to provide like very individualized, customized exercises for every patient you see. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that we can do better and we can provide a higher level service for someone, um, especially something that's a little bit more tailored to what they need. And I think that you're Mobo board offers a unique way for us to do that pretty easily. Uh, you kind of outlined before how you can change the fin position to address various needs, whether that be ankle stabilization in general, or just control of pronation and supination. And really, I'd imagine you'd be able to take that and basically integrate it with any exercise from something isolated, like a calf raise you mentioned, all the way up to something functional like a split squat pattern or a RDL type pattern or something that we kind of coin into the or uh, drop in the functional fitness bucket, if you will. 
Yeah. So I, I, this is interesting, right? So you talk about like, I, I make a lot of analogies to feet and hands because one, they're both, you know, contact point organs, but it's interesting, right? You talk about, um, you know, let's say you're doing pull-ups, right? And you had really strong arms and back, but your grip strength just wasn't there, right? And there's lots of people who kind of can sense that like, yeah, I can do a pull-up, but my hands get tired and I lose control. Like doing, you know, doing a system where you kind of, you know, you, you, those of you who weight lift, you have these little weightlifting straps put in your hands, right? You can lock them in. It allows you to lift the bar very heavily without having to hold the bar. Uh, and there's a time and a place for that um, if you're doing super heavy loads. But um, the idea is that, you know, if you're doing a pull-up and you don't have the grip strength for the for the pull-up, right, you need to work on that, right? So uh, doing more pull-ups isn't going to help you. Doing more very, you know, minute control stuff to build your grip strength is where you need to be. And that's sort of where a lot of people are, right? So the idea is most people don't have good control of their foot. So you, you mentioned and beautifully mentioned the fact that sometimes people have motion blocks in the foot, right? You may need to work on range of motion at the first ray, uh, at the big toe, range of motion at the ankle complex, range of motion at midfoot, et cetera. Those are all manual therapy or kind of mobilization type work, and you may need that. Um, but you do need to build up a better strategy. I mentioned before, it's not just a muscle. I mean, people, I, I love in social media, people put, you know, a picture of the muscle and the, the exercise next to it. And I'm like, that's not how the body works right the body doesn't train muscles we train movements um, but the idea is that yeah it's a better environment to sort of train uh and build control i've got this little exercise routine i developed called the foot six pack yeah it's a fun name whatever but the idea is to you know six movements designed to get you to really kind of sink in with your foot and ankle so you can find that position and you know we know that if we train patients these kind of basic things right like i mentioned the, the hand strength right we train the grip strength uh or, or, or foot strength we're trying to build that coordination inside the foot um and that's kind of step one right and that may take anywhere from two weeks to maybe as much as eight weeks to develop those patterns but you know, I tell people all the time, exercise is always progressive, right? And if you're still doing this like super basic, like, you know, foot, you know, toe yoga exercise, you know, 16 weeks into a program, you haven't progressed, right? There's a time and a place to actually load the movements. And so the nice thing about Mobo is, yes, it's nice for people on kind of day one or you know, week one type work, because you can do some things to really sink in with your feet. But like you mentioned, I your time's valuable, right? And so as you get better and better at these minute, uh, minute motions, once you develop that strategy to kind of stabilize your foot, you can work squat patterns, you can work deadlift patterns, you can work rotational patterns, you can work all kinds of stuff and whole body movements. And I can, you can throw a mobo board underfoot and you can still load the system, right? And then get a lot of bang for your buck in a short period of time. So I'm not looking to make you, you spend more time doing things. I'm trying to help you get more work out of your less time you're putting in, right? And so um, if you got a device that kind of can do a lot of things, then, then you have a win. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I pulled up your um, your six pack for the foot here, uh, the twist, the rocks, the pulls, uh, the toss, the, you know, the pass around and the I think you call the one like the the drunk bird or something like that. Tippy bird. Yeah. Tippy bird. <laughs> tippy bird. Um, so I I um, I like that combo there. Uh, I'm curious what makes like I, I know someone's going to look uh, listen to this and say like, okay, but could I do that on a piece of foam or like a different device that way? What makes the MOBO board unique in these six exercises here, as opposed to using something different for like, you know, a ball toss balance thing or that sort of thing? Totally. So I, I, I will, um, I'm going to put this out there as a challenge. When I say this statement, this always ruffles more feathers than anything else. Cause people love to make stuff hard. Right. Yep. And I always want to push back and say, hold on. The best way to train is not to make things hard. 
Okay, the best way to train is to give your nervous system the inputs craving to get the best outcome, right? So let's let's take a little step back here again. And, and I, I always tell people, let's talk about proprioception. So proprioception has nothing to do with strength. Proprioception is a sensory phenomenon, right? So right now, if you basically just put your hand in front of your head and you open it, you can see your hands open. You can feel your hands open too, right? And if I ask you to make a fist, nice and tight right you can see your fist is closed and you can feel your fist is closed without looking at it well let's do that again so close your eyes okay i want you to open your fist most of you can actively feel the fact your wrist is open right you can close your your hand into a fist and you can feel your hands a fist without looking at it right it's very easy to do that because you have good sensation and so we talk about the foot and ankle what i'm looking at is can your nervous system sense the position that you're in and make very rapid corrections okay so Let's talk about this. If you're walking and running on firm, you know, concrete asphalt, like a track, right? It's a pretty firm surface. Those are harder surfaces and it's easy to find position where you are. Um, that's not how people typically have issues, right? So let's say if you're, you know, running along on a, on a, on a grassy field, right? One of the soccer fields in your neighborhood that's, you know, not maintained very well, a bunch of holes in there. And if you're running along and your foot hits something that's not very smooth, it's actually slightly off axis, right? Your foot falls in that hole. And instead of actually rapidly correcting position, you don't do that and you roll out and collapse and sprain an ankle, right? So just one example of how you can get hurt. But the idea is, you didn't have good rapid correction of your control. And so a lot of therapists will have people start on the ground, which is great, right? To kind of get some baseline awareness of, of foot and ankle control. But then we put them on things that are cushy and unstable. I'm speaking specifically about those blue Eric's pads that people have in their clinic, right? <laughs> yeah, everyone has pads. one. Everybody's got one. And, and we put, and patients get put there to make it quote, harder or more challenging. Well, let's actually talk about what you actually did. By putting your patient on there or patients, if you're on that blue balance pad, you're actually taking away sensory information. You're not making it harder. In fact, you're making it more challenging for your brain and body to find and feel position to actually train the reflexes and train the control you're trying to build. It's a poor environment to build skill control. And in fact, we use those pads all the time for people. If you've ever heard of vestibular problems, right? We have inner ear balance issues, right? We actually put people on those foam surfaces on purpose to take away that proprioceptive information. So we have to magnify awareness into vision and inner ear, right? So we've known this forever that if you want to take away that skill of proprioception, put people on a soft, squishy balance pad, right? But it's funny to me, the orthopedic community has forgotten why that's there, right? Like that's the wrong environment to train. And so if you look at all the research out there, there's hundreds of papers on foot and ankle control. Whenever you put people on a soft, squishy surface, they do a worse job in terms of correcting their balance reflexes, period. Like it's not better, right? Um, and so we know the foot and ankle like to be on firm, cohesive surfaces because we have good input, right? So the mobile board is hard, okay, um, on purpose. It's, designed, it's very, very stiff. It's made of bamboo. And it doesn't deflect. And the reason why is I want constant sensory information under your foot. Now, the thing is the board does pivot, okay, and the board pivots. But again, the axis of the pivot is very specific. It wasn't just random, right? It's, um, it's real simple here, right? The axis of pronation and supination. Let's back up for a second. You kind of bend your elbow back and forth, right? Mostly in one plane, okay? And so you you move your uh, 
your shoulder out in one plane or forward in one plane, right? Different planes. So the axis of your pronation and supination is actually kind of a, a composite axis, right? The axis isn't straight ahead. It's actually 45 degree, degrees off of straight ahead, right? And it's actually 15 degrees up from the floor. That, guess what? That's the exact angle I designed MOBO to pivot around, right? To, to give you that stimulus to control the pronation and supination of your foot. So um, it's training you to, to control the range of motion that you're going to use in everything that you do because your foot and ankle move. They're not just bricks. Right. And there's a lot of pushback. People say, oh, all you need is, you know, instead of putting something unstable under the foot, you know, put them on something hard and then have them, you know, move the upper body in some way. And that's that's great. But you know what? Again, there's no point in gate where your foot and ankle are totally locked down you know, vertically and nice and stiff. They're always moving through uh, through different ranges of motion. So um, I want to expose your nervous system to a way to control the range of motion it's going to see during the sport that you pick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that approach there. And as you've kind of mentioned a few times here, it seems like from your eyes, everything comes back to the nervous system. All PT is neuro PT in this sense is, you know, we see, you mentioned before about repeat ankle sprains. Those happen in a lot of athletic individuals, individuals who are probably pretty strong and probably have a lot of power. So sometimes strength is the issue, but it's not always just strength. Sometimes it's how our body moves and adapts to the load and it takes a lot of repeated movement, repeated repetition and training a certain pattern in order to kind of undo those neural uh, pathways and that kind of rewiring sort of process, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that, you know, looking at your um, kind of uh, six pack here again, um, you know, I think that kind of speaks to why you do a lot of repetitions and time for your work with the MOBO board is, you know, if you want to rewire neural pathways and change how someone moves, it takes a lot of repetition, you know, unfortunately, three sets of 10 probably isn't going to cut it here. Um, you know, you're going to have to put a lot of work in and a lot of effort in. And I think earlier you mentioned something about the running population as well. You know, if we're looking at someone who has a endurance focused demand, then we kind of need to train them like an endurance athlete. We can't just do sets of three to five repetitions and expect all of a sudden, hey, everything's good to go. Um, so I like that kind of approach that you've got here. And I like the thought process behind, hey, you know, we don't want to cut proprioceptive input from the foot because now we're reliant on our vestibular system and our visual system to keep us balanced and stable. And, you know, we want to train the proprioceptive input. We want the foot to kind of find its own way, find its own stable position and not resort to a position of pain or injury repeatedly. No, thanks. I just want to elaborate on a point there because it said beautifully, right? So, you know, let's, for those of you listening out there, you know, People say, people always say, what's the one best exercise? And I'm right. It, it, like, I'm sorry. Life is not that simple. There's no <laughs> one best exercise for everything and every person. It just doesn't exist. Right. So just cut that out of your head. But, you know, let's go back to the point you brought up in terms of building proprioception awareness and that, that idea behind rewiring your nervous system. I actually titled one of my books, Running Rewired on Purpose, because I want to take the emphasis off of just, you know, lifting heavy weights, which has a, has a value for sure. Right. But that's a different type of sensation, right? That you're giving your body to get a different type of development. And so we talk about rewiring. Let's talk about the what you talk about as far as sets and reps. So 
if you're looking to, let's just talk about strength first, because strength is easy for people to visualize, right? If you want to actually put strain in your muscles, right, to get them to respond and come back stronger and bigger, right? That's your goal for whatever, for whatever reason. Um, you know, we want to expose them to a certain type of stimulus, right? So somewhere between, you know, five to 12 reps, right? And a certain dosage done you know, sets per week, et cetera. And we use it pr principles of progressive overload to always kind of push the needle and make sure we're always slightly overstressing the muscle to get better development, right? And that's done a very controlled manner over time to get positive gains. That's not how we train the nervous system at all. <laughs> you know, so nervous system, right, is 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 looking at coordination. It's looking at integrating, right? Because we don't, you know, while we sit there and do our little toe yoga exercise where you raise your big toe up and drive little toes down, drive big toe down, raise little toes up, right? That's nice. It's great to kind of tap into your body. Um, but to practice that, we don't do two sets of 10. What you're looking at doing is, finding, sensing, and yes, most importantly, feeling, right? The ability to move our first ray independent from lesser rays. Um, and it's interesting, in your brain, you actually have a separate area in your brain just for your big toe, which is pretty cool, right? Apes, monkeys, gorillas don't have this, right? Because they're good at long flexors. They're designed to climb and hang from trees and pick things up and curl their, their, their digits, right? As humans, we're bipedal. We have an area in our brain just for our first ray, uh, and so that's really important that we learn to use that area to control and drive the big toe down for stability, right? And so we try to train this pattern. We're talking about doing, yes, higher reps, okay? And, and typically, when I'm in this stage, you'll, you'll hear me tell people all the time, like, look, knock out a few minutes. How many reps? I don't care. Just get a few minutes, right? Just put yourself, I, because I don't want you to put the focus on volume. I want you to put the, or, you know, how many I'm doing. I want you to put the focus on what am I sensing and feeling during this movement, right? And we have our our brains practice this movement for a given period of time. Might be a few minutes, might be eight minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. But I don't want people to go too long because what happens if you go too long, you get distracted, right? You start thinking about other things, your nervous system gets tired, and then you're, quote, doing the work, you know, we asked you to do on the piece of paper, right? But you've lost the ability to sense and feel what you're doing with your foot and ankle. And so um, proprioceptive work, I tell people, look, if you can get five to 15 minutes a day, like most days a week, like that's awesome, right? And and again, for people who are trying trying to build new skill, new awareness in whatever movement, it can be foot stuff, other things, MOBO or not, doesn't matter, right? If you're looking to train proprioception, it's you know, a volume of exercise done where you can still focus on things. So we know I actually teach a motor learning course and we talk about focus, right? So what are you doing to sense and feel position? And if your brain's in the game, you will get positive changes and you'll get uh, neuroplasticity, right? You actually develop new skills in terms of control of your body. If you don't pay attention, you don't get this little secret sauce neurotransmitters, right, to wire your brain differently, and you're just going through emotions, and you won't get progress. So I tell people, if you're working on any type of proprioceptive skill, whether it's rotator cuff stuff or foot and ankle or core or whatever, shut the music off, right? Put your phone away. Don't look at Instagram. I want your focus 100% on what you're doing because that's how you're going to have a better, better connection and get more out of your session right? That's really, that gets lost a lot. People, you know, they want to crank the music up or work out with their friends. And I'm like, that approach may work for strengthening, but not for building new skill. Right, right. You have to create the right environment in order to gain, um, you know, the ability to complete a task properly. And as you mentioned, it requires a lot of focus. And as we mentioned before, it requires a lot of repetition and a lot of hours put in. This is not the kind of thing that you know, is going to be magically corrected in two or three visits, you know. Um, and I think that's another thing, too, is, you know, we live in a day and age 
where healthcare is getting more, more and more difficult for PTs to see patients for longer periods of time and having the ability to get a board like you've got for home use, um, you know, at a low cost, I think is a very powerful tool in the toolbox as well is, you know, even if it gets to the point where we teach the patients the exercises, make sure they know how to do them, and then they get a board for home and use that home. I think there's a lot of value in that. And I've even got athletes that I work with right now that have the mobile board at home and love it. And that's kind of how you and I even got connected in the first place. Um, and, you know, one of them had to, uh, they, they brought up uh, the magic question. They were like, you know what, if Jay, you know, he came up with the device and all that sort of thing, if he had to pick like two or three of his exercises to do every day, which two or three do you think he would do? Um, so we've got a little running bet going on here, Jay, but I'm curious, you know, out of the exercises you've mentioned for the MOBO board, the taps, the tipping bird, that sort of thing, which ones are your kind of personal go-tos out of all of them? Yeah. So I, I, let me say this, like for level one, level two, right? So for yeah. level one, for people who are just starting out, right? When I first built the device myself and was like using it with different folks, right? The the number one, number two exercise is one called the foot band twist exercise, right? And yeah. so um, the reason why this exercise is important is that the, you set it up so the fins are in the even slots, right? Boards in the ground, your foot goes on top. So you're in that axis of pronation, supination. And I want to give your, not just your foot and ankle, but your entire body a twisting load because I know we talk about walking, running forward, but the reality is when you walk or run forward, that center of pressure line, right, goes from one side of the foot to the other, and your body actually twists, right? Your upper body twists in your lower body, your pelvis twists on your hip, your hip twists on your on your on your um on your foot and ankle, right? Everything twists and connected. And so I'm teaching you to control that rotational line of torque, right? So um foot band twist exercise, you have a band in front of you, you're just turning, not very far, just like maybe 15 degrees to each side, but to introduce that rotational load, and you will see people. People's brains go, wow, I I finally feel right what you're trying to get me to do in terms of uh, being able to control and stabilize my foot and ankle as I apply a twisting force, right? Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two is the foot rocks, right? So we mentioned before, you have to be able to pronate and supinate your foot actively under your own control. So the so foot rock exercise, you're standing on it, just trying to tap the board toe side, tap the board back heel side, right? It's moving a diagonal, okay? Um, and, and you're, again, you're building control. And for the foot rocks, we work on the even slots and we put the fins in the odd slots and we train perpendicular to the axis of pronation and supination. And the reason for that is those peroneal muscles we mentioned earlier on the outside of the shin and they help, they go on the outside of the shin, but they come under the foot and actually wrap down under the first ray um, to lock that ball, the foot down. So those are my two kind of top kind of top ones and actually i'll throw one third one in there um this is one of my favorites it gets overlooked but I, it's called the everted pass around so um again so many people spend time on the outside of their foot you put the fins in the outer slots and the board won't pivot okay in this position um it's just basically angle down but you i do have a, a point for your big toe to kind of lock in i don't have any point for your little toes to try and grip and you can't roll off the outside of the board right so it forces you again to find how to feel to get your your, your what i call your tripod down the ground so i'd say those three are kind of my top my top favorites um for for kind of phase one but i mentioned earlier right like if you're still doing foot rocks at 16 weeks we've we've done a poor job of communicating what you need to do right we're looking to push needle up so once you've built those patterns of control you've worked with this stuff for anywhere between two to eight weeks right and you're like okay this is starting to feel more doable then i go to you know again integrating your foot with everything upstream um and for me 
it's some variation. I mean, it's think about anything we do in, in normal training, right? We squat patterns are, are in our training and, and deadlift or hinge patterns in our training, right? So guess what? We're putting a squat pattern and a hinge pattern uh, in, in your in your mobile work, right? So whether that's going to be, you know, tippy birds, basically just using body weight, which is fine. My favorite thing to do with people is actually load the system up. So I like doing what's called a landmine deadlift. Um, all those exercises are on the mobile website if you want to check them out. But um, landmine means you're taking Olympic bar and you're sticking one end in the corner, other end is in your hand. That way you can actually get foot and ankle control while you load the system up top, right? So the board's unstable. So you have to control that rotation in your foot and ankle and rotation in your hip. And now we can load that hinge pattern. That'd be number one. Uh, and then number two would be, I mean, there's various ways of working squat patterns, right? But even just on a little, um, I call it star squats, right? So hands on hips, foot on the board is basically squatting down, reaching in front, come back up, reaching down to the side with that free leg, back up, reaching back to behind you, that free leg, right? Um, and working on those patterns because it integrates, again, stabilization for your foot and ankle, active dorsiflexion control, right? In your, in your ankle, um, loading the knee. And then we can do that with body weight or a weight vest or dumbbells in your hand or a squat ball over, over top, right? You can load those patterns to build resilience. And, and again, I think if you're training properly, you're doing things to get your nervous system integrate control, right? With those distal levers, right? With those big, powerful movers upstream. Yeah, I like that. I like that rundown. And I like that series of exercises that you just discussed. And ultimately, I also like the progression that you've incorporated as well Is you know, as we mentioned before, there needs to be a challenge to the system in order to produce adaptation. And I would certainly imagine that a landmine squat or a landmine deadlift on two MOBO boards is certainly going to be more challenging than standing on the MOBO board and just tipping it forward and backwards. So I love that. Yeah. And I love the ties to function as well. Jay, I feel like you and I could probably talk all day about mechanics and the MOBO board and the foot and the importance of it in rehab. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts or closing remarks or anything else you wanted to hit on today? Yeah, I just tell when people just in terms of how you think about your foot and ankle, I just want to hit one thing that's important. People talk about the tripod of the foot a lot, right? And yeah, they yeah. call the tripod of the foot the heel and then the inside ball of the foot and, in, and outside ball of the foot. Or some people say the heel and then the end of the big toe and the outside ball of the foot. Uh, neither of those are correct. <laughs> And I want to make this clear. Um, again, I, I'm the biomechanics dork who's in the lab measuring these things every day, right? And so, you know, we actually published a paper on this back in 2009, looking at when the when the foot and ankle were under the peak load, right? And, you know, people... I was even taught in school. I don't know if you were, Dan, but I was taught in school the foot's most, you know, deformed or you have your biggest amount of uh, navicular drop or biggest amount of like collapse of the arch, right? When you're during mid stance. And actually, that's not true. Okay. Um, you know, we talk about, you probably heard this analogy before, what puts more force per square area down, uh, the elephant walking around or the woman in high heels, right? Woman in high heels doesn't weigh near as much of an elephant, but that heel is very, very tiny, right? So the surface area is small. And so we actually looked at, look at this uh, aspect of walking and running gait. We know that the foot, not just the, the rear foot, but the entire foot is most collapsed or most deformed just after the heel comes up off the ground. So now we've got a situation where we look at the idea behind tripod. Your tripod has nothing to do with your heel. The tripod is the end of the ball of your foot, the big toe ball of the foot, right? And then the, uh, the outside ball of the foot, right? So those three points, right? So ball of foot, big toe, little toe, and then end of your big toe. 
that's the tripod because when your heels off the ground, that's when you've got that active control. And so, you know, again, that's why the mobile board tilts and moves and wobbles because I want to get load over to that forefoot and get you to think about what your forefoot's doing because you've got 26 bones in your foot. You've got to control that torsional uh, stability that every one of those bones and build that skill control and then work upstream, integrate those big muscles around your knee, big muscles around your hip and even your core to get things, things stable. So I just want to kind of keep that in your mind as you look towards training mobile again mobile or not right i mean i don't care what you what devices you use i want you to have success with whatever you're doing but i just want people to understand what they're trying to do and and we talk about foot and ankle again it's mostly the idea behind building skilled control and that comes from building that strong solid tripod yeah no i completely agree i love those points and i love the analogies that you've offered as well throughout the episode here today jay for people who want to find out more about you and Mobo Board or maybe check you out online to order one, where can they find you at? Yeah, you can find Mobo Board at uh, MoboBoard.com. We're on Instagram, which is uh, Mobo.Board. Uh, and you can also check out another blog called uh, NAthletesBody.com. Um, it's uh, not gotten updates in a long time, but I'm going to start putting some more fun things in there soon. So. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll link to that below as well in the description there. I'm surprised you're not on MySpace though, Jay. You said you're a uh, guy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually missed all that to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> Left that out. All right. Um, Jay, it was really great talking with you today. I appreciate your time and insight and everything you've offered on the MOBO board. Thank you. Totally, Dan. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you've liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.